Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to The Paddock in the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello everyone. Today's podcast is about a racehorse, Stradivarius, who retired at the end of the 2022 flat season, the winner of seven Group 1s, including three Ascot Gold Cups. A racing legend of the past few years, the popular chestnut is now standing at stud at the National Stud in Newmarket. In this podcast, you will hear from Joe Bradley, the head of Bloodstock at the National Stud, Discover New Market Guide Frankie McGee and Kitty Trice, a Racing Post Bloodstock journalist. But to begin the Stradivarius story, I spoke to Rab Havlin, a regular guest on the Paddock and the Pavilion, who was the first jockey to ride Strad back in the autumn of 2016. You rode Stradivarius in his first race at Nottingham on the 5th of October 2016. What do you remember about his first run, Rab? Um, well, I mean, I think we we kind of expected him to run well. He was a bit green on the day. Um, you know, not, Nottingham's a tricky track with the un- undulations there. Things very flat, but it's actually a very undulating track. It used to be very flat, but uh, not anymore. And I think they just probably caught him out a little bit, and, uh, but he learned plenty from it. He was quite late uh, for his first run, 5th of October. Yeah, but he was just a horse that needed a bit of time. You know, he was a sea of stars. We tend not, not to rush that type, even though he's like not, I mean, he's not big, but you wouldn't call him small. Um, you know, he just, the boss is always of the mind that, you know, the, the horses will tell him when they're ready to push forward and, and when to ease back. So um, we took our time with him and, uh, you know, there's a nice campaign for horses like that, uh, and, and nice novices that you can always run them. You know, we run them as late as as, as December. You know, but in his next race, you were you were riding against him on the mighty Cracksman. It was Cracksman's first run, and you you beat Stradivarius. Yeah, well, Cracksman was a big, laid back character at home at the time, and uh, 
you know, Frankie was on Stradivarius, who was, I think, I'm quite sure he was favourite that day. And obviously, uh, Cracksman went on to win and be the champion that he was in his own right. So um, he wasn't beaten by a bad one. Well, you were, you were fourth on that day. And on then on his third run as a two-year-old at Newcastle on the 7th of November, on the all-weather, all over a mile, Stradivarius won the first of what was to be 20 wins. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, I remember he was quite tenacious that day because, uh, you know, Patsy Crosgrave had got up on a side Bensarua horse and headed him and he actually fought back at the line and I'm quite sure it was a three-way photo finish and he, he fought back and put his ears back in. You know, that was the first time we'd really seen that tenacity in him and that, you know, that will to win. So, uh, you know, that was, that was a nice way to, to end his uh, two-year-old campaign. And did you think then that he would go on to be the leading horse that he became? Well, it's always difficult to, you know, you always hope that's the case, but uh, it's always difficult to, you know, you get caught out a bit by by making those kind of gestures early on in a horse's career. You, you like to see them, you know, doing it on the track. And obviously when he started his three-year-old campaign, it was clear that, you know, he was going to be something different. And what would you sum up his qualities as a racehorse? Uh, well, he's very gutsy. Um, he was very laid back at home. Uh, so he didn't get himself worked up and he loved his grub, getting stuck into his grub. So, uh, But I mean, the thing I always remembered about him was, you know, I used to always think he must have had enormous sized lungs because he could never get him to take a blow in a gallop, whether it be his first gallop of the year or his... Or his uh, First one after a after a hard hard run the time before, he just would never blow. Another horse would be blowing after the gallop. By the time they got back to the ring, and he wouldn't blow a candle at by the time he come off the end of the gallop. So that that always stuck in my mind about him. Because he had a, a turn of foot, and he won from one mile up to two and a half miles. Yeah, he was by no means a slow horse. I mean, um, you know, when they run the coronation at, at Newmarket after COVID behind uh, Gaeth, who set some unbelievable fractions. I mean, he was stud that day. So he was, you know, we always thought that he, he could come back to a mile and a half because he was never, you know, he was never a slow horse. In fact, after the coronation, I think it was probably one of his best victories when he went round in the Gold Cup and absolutely slaughtered them on the bridle. Um, you know, just, just too quick for those type of horses. But, uh, yeah, he, uh, I'm sure he would have run a lot better in the, uh, in the arc had just gone a gallop but it was such a slow pace muddling pace just didn't really play to his strengths What was he like as a character? I know you got to know him quite well because you were riding him out during the Covid times Yeah he uh, he was a character alright if you didn't know him when you went into the box you think you were getting in there with a lion he would come at you with his teeth and his ears back but you know he was it was all bark and no bite really when you get the tack on him he'd muck around you know getting the attack and even on on the heath when he seen another string coming to him he'd he'd puff himself up and start shouting but he never really done anything about it so uh he, he was a good ride but he was a bit of a character and he was well well known on the heath everybody would point him out you know now he's standing at Newmarket's national stud what qualities do you think he will bring as a stallion well obviously you know the tenacity that he had you know he was adaptable to any trip and any ground really he won on fast to, to bottom this ground 
So any one of those attributes, you know, if he passes off to his offspring, uh, you know, will be will be a bonus to to anybody's. Um, you know, obviously his prodigy will be that will be a big bonus because as I say, what he wasn't just a slow two and a half miler. He was, a, you know, he was quite quick at, quick at times when he wanted to be. And still being local, do you think you'll drop in and see him during the year? Yeah, it's funny because the lads went up a couple of weeks ago, but unfortunately I was racing that day. So, um, I mean, he's quite local. You know, I'm sure I'll, I'll pop him at some point and, and go and have a look. Let's hear from our main guest, Joe Bradley, at the National Stud. What's your own role at the National Stud and, and your racing background, Joe? Well, I, sp- I suppose it's best to start off with my racing background, which is very minimal. I- up until a certain point in my life. Uh, I've always followed racing and I was always um, slightly more fascinated than the sort of, let's say, the normal average punter or person who watches horse racing. Um, I went to university in Belfast. I studied public relations and finished that and sort of thought, oh, what what am I going to do now? So like a lot of people, they decide I'll go to the other side of the world and try to figure it out from there. So I went to New Zealand and with the idea that I would travel around and um, sort of just have a good time for a year. And I got a job after about four days of being in Auckland uh, in a place called Wentwood Grange in Cambridge, which is like the new market equivalent in New Zealand. Uh, it's the capital of sort of horse racing. And I hadn't really touched a horse before. I uh, hadn't been around horses. And after probably three months, decided, yeah, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Ended up staying there for about four and a half years, um, where I ended up sort of in a senior position within the farm. Um, but the Hawkins family, who owns Wentwood Grange, were incredibly uh, important in sort of forging and laying the foundations of my career. Uh, so that's where it all began. So a real voyage of discovery, going all that way to New Zealand then? Yeah, yeah, a real voyage. I mean, I think a lot of young people you know, don't, you know, some people are really lucky in that they know from a young age what they want to do and it all works out for them but there's probably a large percentage of people um who who don't know what they want to do and i was lucky enough to find it uh, and lucky enough to still be involved in it and and then in my capacity here at the, at the national stud then have the opportunity to develop young people or people who are interested in the industry through our education program here at the national stud so it's really satisfying to be able to bring young people into a room, um, well, not necessarily young people, actually, people of all ages who similarly had not come from a racing or breeding background. And, and I can I can talk them through my experiences. Uh, and I think it gives a lot of people, um, I'd like to say a little bit of inspiration that this can be a really good career for, for someone. Well, that's opening it up to people who, as you say, haven't got a racing background, which I think is important to, for the racing industry. Absolutely, you know it's a big thing now is inclusion and diversity. Uh, and as I said, I had no no background, um, no background in horses. I, I can understand why why people may feel that it's it's a hard industry to get into. There's some closed doors, um, and perhaps in the past that did exist. I think now it's very much opening up. I think there's great avenues in, uh, and now it's really about showcasing those avenues and making sure that people are aware that you can come having never had a background in horses uh, and within the space of what we do here with the E2SE course in nine weeks we can then place you in a stud farm that's of the highest standard and highest quality 
Um, so it's very satisfying to be part of that. And when did you become part of that at the National Stud? It's such a prestigious place. It's an amazing place, yeah, the National Stud. It's, it's, it's soaked in history. It's a very important part of the whole wider thoroughbred industry in, in Britain. I started in October time. I started at the first day was on book two. Um, so that was a great, great time to start when everybody's in town, all the clients are here. Um, so I've been, yeah, I've been here about four or five months and a massive part of that has been Stradivarius and getting him started in his stud career. So it's been an exciting time. And now we are in the thick of it. We are, the covering season has started. The phones are well underway. So it's a, it's a great time here at the National Stud. So did Stradivarius or Strad as the National Stud brand him, did he come before you or after you? Uh, just slightly after me, slightly. I mean, it was it was a matter of it was a matter of weeks, really. Uh, I had known for for a short period before I started the job that he was going to be standing here at the national stud. Um, so I had plenty of time to mull it over in my head, think about what what the plan would be, and it, it was really it's really nice actually to, that we started at the same time. And how did it all come about that Stradivarius, who finished racing at the end of the the 22 season then moved to the national stud. Yeah, like with with like I mean, most studs would have a radar uh, and a and a good handle on what stallions or what colts are available to go to the stud at the end of the year. Um, I think that everybody everybody knew that, that Stradivarius was perhaps going to be retiring quite soon, um, and for us, he was a great fit for the national stud for what for what we do. Um, and then from our perspective, we, we looked at his race record, his pedigree, um, the way he won his races. Um, and then we looked at his physical and we, we thought he ticked a lot of boxes, if not all of the boxes. And to again, secure for stud duties here at the National Studs was really poignant and really, really great opportunity. And how has he settled in? He, he settled it. He settled it really well. Um, look, you can have all these plans in place, and, and you, as I say, you, I can mull it over in my head, and I did for for a long time. And often you find the horse just comes and does it himself. Um, we had a great, we have a great relationship with John Gosden, um, who was able to sort of impart his knowledge and his wisdom to do with Stradivarius. He knows the horse uh, inside out. Still does. Still very much in contact with us here. Um, so, so we we knew what to do with the horse and how to keep him happy and how to get him settled into his life here at the National Stud. And, and it was a really straightforward process. And thankfully, he's really enjoying himself. Uh, he's got a great life. He's very happy. Uh, and, and now, as the breeding season has started, he's uh, he's even more happy. Just a short. Uh talk about your other stallions because you've, you've got other ones at the National Stud haven't you just can you give me a brief outline of the other stallions yeah we're we're, we're lucky here to have to have four stallions one of them being Stradivarius uh, and three other stallions who are at a very important time in their career um, we've got Time Test who's an incredibly important horse for the National Stud he's owned by the National Stud um, had an amazing first crop uh, was laden sire by black type winners uh, and last year continued that on with a horse with horses like crypto force rocky Gianni, who who really established established themselves as, as top class racehorses 
uh, and then going into this year, it's a huge season for him. But he's got 96 two-year-olds to run in Great Britain. Uh, he covered 160 mares in 2021 and 180 mares last year. So the, his biggest and best books are yet to come. With Lupe Fernandez, uh, a son of Luke de Vega, the only son of Luke de Vega here in in Great Britain, um, who's a very attractive horse. Um, he was European champion sprinter. He's just had his first foals who have a lot of quality, a lot of bone, and that's exactly what we thought they would have. So that's very satisfying and exciting to see. Uh, and then we have Rajasing, who's been a really incredible horse. Um, he received limited support in his first number of years. Um, even though he was a Coventry runner, uh, he ran the Coventry in the fastest time. Um, who, as I said, he's limited support, but in his first crop of two-year-olds, had an incredible success, success and strike rate with 80% uh, winners to runners. Uh, so I think people are now are recognising that trend and those statistics, uh, and he'll cover significantly higher books than he's ever done um, because he could produce a really nice, fast, speedy horse um, at a really affordable level, which is important for us here at the National Stud to be able to offer that to, again, open up the doors for all breeders or anybody who's interested at an affordable level. Sounds like you're really excited with the the other three stallions as well as Stradivarius at the National Stud. Yeah, it's just a really exciting time. And look, this is the exciting time of the year. The covering season has just started. Uh, we're not too far away from the flat racing beginning again. So we're all full of hope here. And that's the way it always is at this time of the year. Uh, and hopefully that continues and it will continue, no doubt, throughout the rest of the season. Uh, and looking forward to, to seeing progeny from Earth Stallions running in the biggest races. Back to Stradivarius, he's going to be a big attraction for people coming to see him as part of the Discover New Market tours. And and one person who will get to see Stradivarius is Discover New Market guide, Frankie McGee. And this is what she had to say about the Discover New Market tours and the chance to see Stradivarius at the National Stud. How excited are you, Frankie, at showing visitors Stradivarius at the National Stud on a Discover New Market tour? Oh, Stephen, you can't say. Absolutely super. We're so lucky in Newmarket and at the National Stud to have the fabulous Stradivarius standing beside three other superb stallions. And can you let listeners know what's on offer on a Discover Newmarket tour of the National Stud? Well, yes. First of all, we ought to say they ought to come and see for themselves. But there is so much. Of course, there's Stradivarius who... Everybody, as I say, is so excited about. Do you know, I'm sure John Gosden and Thaddy Gosden are very, very sad to have seen him go, but he's at a, got a lovely new home and is working on his job description very, very well. I understand he's seen a couple of ladies already, so mm, doing well. So there's Stradivarius and our other stallions. There's also, this time of year, the start of the foaling season. So we've had three or four, I think, there already. Um, but there's going to be lots of foals coming along, uh, which what a sight to see the foals and their mums in um, the nursery paddocks. There's also statues around. Uh, there's the beautiful statue of Mill Reef. Mill Reef was owned by a gentleman called Paul Mellon. He was an American um, gentleman brought Mill Reef over to England because he thought that the grass that we have over here, the turf, was better than the dirt 
they have in America. Now, we've also got a graveyard. Now, that's a bit off, really, isn't it, to say to our visitors, welcome to the National Stud. Let me take you around the graveyard. But the graveyard is so interesting because some of the horses that are buried there, I'm sure we've all heard of. There's Lester Piggott's first derby winner, Never Say Die. And he was the first stallion to stand at the stud at the National Stud. We've got Pat Edery's 4,000th winner at the St. Ledger, and that is Silver Patriarch. So we've got lots of stallions that people would have heard of. I love the one, Relpino. Now, that was owned by a lady who I won't say who. She believed that if she had a horse with seven letters in its name, it would win the derby. Well, she had eight horses with seven letters, but none of them won the derby. So that's why I don't want to say her name and embarrass her. Uh, we've got the um, bust of Peter Burrell. Now, he's the gentleman that designed the National Stud as it is laid out. So there's lots and lots to see. I'm not going to tell you everything because, as I say, I want people to come and have a look for themselves. Oh, actually, I will tell you for families, it's brilliant because we've got two boys, or should I say geldings, Lord Windermere and Tin Man. Now, they smell the polos as soon as we turn up and there they are ready to have the polos from us grown-ups and from the children. They're very gentle. They are absolutely superb. And Frankie, are there any age restrictions or restrictions on who can go on the tour at the National Stud? Oh, no, everybody is welcome on the tours. Um, what we actually do, we start by a bus journey into the centre of the stud, then park the bus and the guides will walk people around to see the other areas. Plus children. Children are more than welcome because, as I say, we've got Lord Windermere and Tin Man who love their polos and they love the children giving them polos. And how long does the tour of the National Stud take? Well, we actually say, Stephen, 90 minutes, but of course it depends upon the weather because if it's really, really poor and cold, some people would prefer to sort of cut it a little bit short. It also depends who is out and about in the paddocks. So sometimes, you know, we take a bit longer, sometimes a bit less, but average 90 minutes. And how often do the Discover New Market tours of right. the National Stud take place? Okay. Well, the public tours are Friday, Saturday and Sundays. But then, of course, in between, we do private tours. And they're rather nice because if somebody really wants to ask lots of questions and just have a special tour on their own. So the public tours three days a week and private tours when anybody wants to book. And how do you book them? Ah, right. That's easy peasy. Online, as everything is at the moment. So look on the Discover Newmarket website and it's very easy to book there. And I have to add, Stephen, it's not just the National Stud Tours. We do lots of other tours. So you can't say, well, I've done the National Stud. That's it. No, there's lots, lots more. Well, thank you very much, Frankie. Lots to look forward to then with the Discover Newmarket Tours and especially the chance to see the uh, Gold Cup winner or three times Gold Cup winner, Ascot yes. Gold Cup winner, Stradivarius yes. Yes. at the National Stud. Absolutely. Yes. So we look forward to seeing everybody there, Stephen, and of course yourself. 
We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Joe, as a stallion, what is Stradivarius' average day like? It's 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 really straightforward, and I suppose it depends on the time of the year. It sort of slightly depends now on where we're at, just the start of the season, depending on what mares and how many mares he's covering per day. But um, previous to the season started, it was a really simple routine. He'd maybe go on the walker, uh, maybe hand-walked. Uh, we involve a lot of turnout here at the National Stud. I think it's really important for the horse, um, be it Stradivarius or any horse, to really go out into the paddock and, and enjoy and, and let down and, and, and eat the grass and, and run around, get the fresh air into them. It's really important and it relaxes them and it relaxes Stradivarius. He likes doing things. He likes being out and about. Um, and then... He'll come in, he'll come in at about two or three o'clock. He'll be groomed over. Um, he'll be checked over by our stallion unit manager, Niall Kennedy, who, who does a great job of, of looking after him. Uh, and then he'll tuck into his dinner. Like it's, it's a very straightforward, simple routine. It's not overly complicated because horses don't need complications in their life. They're very, um, they're animals based on routine. So as long as we can keep that routine, uh, and have a go on continuously, then it usually leads to, to a very happy horse. As I said, now the covering season started, his routine will slightly change. Uh, we cover on average about three times a day with the stallion, um, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and then one sort of later on about four, four o'clock. Um, so depending on how his schedule looks, um, the day, the day may change slightly, but again, still involved in that really crucial period of turnout time and stimulation out in paddock um, which is which is so important no doubt he's been popular as a stallion yeah we've been i mean we're unbelievably happy with the response that breeders have had to stradivarius um it's been a fascinating few months um we have breeders who who are notoriously speed based breeders using i've always notoriously used fast stallions but they love the horse so much that they're that they want to breed to him and we've had a range of mares coming in through the nominations that from six furlong mares that have raced over six furlongs to um to a mile and a half um so it's really important and i said this before that we don't want to pigeonhole this horse we don't want to say you need to send them a, a speedier mare or you need to send them a sort of middle distance mare um we don't think that should exist we sort of like to gauge breeders on what we know for a fact and that facts are that he was an incredibly sound horse uh he raced over the course of seven seasons was never missed a race through injury um he had a turn of foot when he won his when he won his races at a time when most horses would be exhausted he was able to turn on the burners and he's got a fantastic pedigree he's by a champion stallion and see the stars and most arguably most important now everybody's different He's got an incredible physical 
he's an incredibly well balanced horse with with power and muscles in the right areas uh, and a very attractive good walking horse um i think his walk probably is his, one of his biggest selling points uh he covers the ground immensely really smoothly and if we look forward into the future of what you go to the sales and what hundreds of people do walking around tattersalls and goths all day every day when the seals are on is looking at a horse walk and how it moves and you know we're we're confident that he'll be able to pass that trade on to his progeny which then makes them very um attractive to purchase at a seal and he's priced at a at a reasonable stud fee isn't he absolutely at, at, at ten thousand pound uh he, he's a very attractive price for for a lot of breeders uh, I mean, we're talking about a horse that had 18 group victories, seven group ones, three and a half million in prize money, not counting the bonuses. Um, he, he won over distances from a mile to two and a half miles. So there's a, for, when we take all that into consideration, um, we're, we're, we're really delighted that we can offer this horse for 10,000 pounds. Time test. One of your, your other stallions did some shuttles, I think. I think it was to New Zealand, wasn't it? Will Stradivarius be doing any shuttling? Uh, look, we we never rule anything out with any horse. As they say, we don't pigeonhole and we don't make decisions and decide that's what we'll do or that's what we'll never do. Um, it hasn't really come up in conversation to date. Um, I think he's a horse that's so popular, well-known and established here in in Great Britain and Ireland and in Europe um, that we're just focusing on on a stallion career here for the minute but as I say we're always open to conversations on any horse any stallion any country Earlier I spoke to Racing Post bloodstock journalist Kitty Trice and here are her thoughts on what she thinks of Stradivarius as a stallion How important do you think Stradivarius is standing at stud in Newmarket and at the National Stud. It's um well, it's nice just having been there to see, you know, the belief in him and sort of people wanting to get behind him as a flat stallion because I think there was this sort of train of thought that, oh, you know, Stayer, you know, the market is very much geared towards well, the commercial market is very much geared towards sprinters and speed speed type horses. So, you know, the fact that he's staying in new market is a big plus, especially for connections as he's just down the road. But I think that, yeah, it's, it's great that the National Stud's got him where people can go and visit him because you know, he's a modern day icon and he was so popular and everyone wants to see how he gets on. And I think being at the National Stud is the best place of, is the best place to sort of realise that. And I spoke to Joe and they've got a few tours coming up to go and see him and they sound incredibly popular, which is great news because I think, yeah, we all want to hear how he's getting on. He's such a wonderful character and a very good racehorse. You think he'll be a big attraction then? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he is hugely popular at the races. Whenever he sort of came into the parade ring, sort of usually roaring his head off just to say, I'm here, I'm here. You know, everyone wanted to see him. He's larger larger than life. And, you know, he was around for so much longer than a lot of entire horses on the flat. So he just gained that much more traction and popularity, I feel. And you've already been yourself to the National Stud to see him. 
Yeah, so actually I went a couple of times. The first was during the December mayor's sales where he just settled in and I peeped over his, um, you know, in the stable and he looked very happy there and saw him walk, walked out, you know, in hand in front of us. And then I obviously went a few weeks back to see him and he was out in the field. He, he looked great, very happy, as did all of them. And what do you think he offers as a stallion? Well, I just think he's, you know, he raced for so many seasons from the time he was two to the time he was eight. He's got that longevity and soundness to him, which I think is just absolutely vital if you're trying to breed these horses. You know, if you're trying to breed a racehorse, which is what everyone should be doing, then you want to have soundness. If they're not sound, then that's no good. I mean, I just saw him as a physical. He's not the biggest, but I don't think that is a big deal. I mean, he walks like an athlete. He's got the most amazing walk. And I just think whatever distance you're trying to get, he he looks like he'll produce an athlete and that's what you want. And he's also got a remarkable temperament, just giving him a pat in the field. And he was just so sort of relaxed. He had seen it all, you know, as a slightly older horse going to study. He was just very sort of calm and sort of, he's you know, and he's obviously by great, great stallion and see the stars and he's got a great pedigree as well. And I just think you couldn't go wrong if you're trying to produce a racehorse. Because he did have that burst of acceleration. Oh, definitely. He has a turn of foot. You know, all the best horses, whatever distance they go over, have to have a turn of foot. And he showed that so many times. I mean, there's so many examples. And what is, you know, it's a subject I could go on about, but this just this obsession with producing speed and in particular cheap speed in the sort of commercial market just doesn't help anyone. I don't think it's, yes, it's short term profit, but ultimately I don't think this obsession is good for the breed. I think, you know, we want horses of all sorts of trips. I think, you know, you look at races like the Derby, you know, that's what the thoroughbred was bred to do, you know, the flat thoroughbred. And I just think we need these horses who have proved high class, top class over sort of, you know, middle distance, staying distance trips. And they need to be given a chance on the flat instead of just immediately packed off to jumps barns. It's it's a bit depressing, but I could go on about it for ages, but I'm not going to bore you. No, you're not boring, Kitty. It sounds like you've got a love for Stradivarius. Did you get to see him race live? I did. I saw him a few times. It was great. He, um, he and Frankie and yeah, they were just, you know, the the popular duo. And then you had Gosden in and yeah, everyone, everyone loved Strad. I saw him at York last year and we got a grand entrance and he just, you he heard him before you saw him come in. He let out this roar sort of like, I'm here, you know, everyone watch me. He knew he was good and all the best ones do, but he, he was just such a character. I think everyone loved that even more you know he just he knew that he was good there are also some bonuses connected with his progeny joe yeah the bonus scheme is something that we had planned that we would do with stradivarius um it's just he was an incredibly exciting horse he won bonuses himself um so we thought it would be a good idea to attach bonuses to his resulting progeny through his first crop and uh, so for a two-year-old winner, for the first 10 two-year-old winners in, in England, Ireland, France and Germany, uh, there's a bonus of £25,000. That's very attractive for for breeders to use. Uh, and then 
for the breeders of a Group 1 horse is £250,000. That's in England, Ireland and France. And then it sort of follows down. Um, a Group 2 is 100000 and a Group 3 is £100,000. So when people sit down pre-Christmas, post-Christmas to do their breeding plans, they look at their choice of stallions. We know it's a competitive sphere that we that we place ourselves in. There's lots of options out there for everybody, especially within that that price range. Um, that's just something that may spur people on to use Stradivarius um, that may need that little extra encouragement. Uh, I think we'll find there'll be a lot of a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement around those two-year-old winners that that, that are able to get that twenty-five thousand pounds and. No doubt that there'll be some there'll be trainers that will be they'll want to to be the person the first person to train a Stradivarius um or progeny of Stradivarius. Um so it's really it's a really exciting uh it's a really exciting scheme that we're doing. Uh, and we're happy to to pay out people who who achieve what we just talked about. A little way off, but I bet you can't wait to see some of his foals in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait. And yeah, it is a long way off, you think, but the way our industry works, it's sort of the year just tends to disappear pretty quickly. Uh, the covering season will, will finish uh, and then we'll get into sales season. And by the time sales season comes around, you're a matter of weeks away from the first foals. So we're really, really, really excited to see Strata Races uh, first foals hit, hit the ground. It's always a really nice uh, time. It's always a very exciting time. We're ha- we've had it and we're and currently seeing more Lopi Fernandez foals. As I said, to see a product that you've worked so hard to try and market over the years, it's really satisfying. And when you see real quality, you know, big, strong, lots of bone in, in Lope Fernandez's full, uh, it, was, it was really, really great, really satisfying. And it makes you even more excited now you're heading towards the full sales in December, where it's going to be supported um, by the partnership that we have here in Lope Fernandez. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a very exciting time to see the first fulls. Well, thank you very much, Joe, for joining me on the paddock and the pavilion. Best of luck with Stradivarius or Strad, as we keep seeing on all those uh, uh, jackets uh, at the National Stad and, and the best yeah. of luck to all the other stallions. Great, Stephen. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the pad and pad. Don't forget, if you like the show, please do leave us a rating and review. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.